So good to see each and every one of you. Uh, can you hear me okay with a microphone like this? Are we good? I have a hard time hearing because the speakers escape me. So I'm, I could be blowing you out and I can't tell. So I'm glad that you could hear. If you're joining us online, welcome to all of you. We are blessed to have you with us. We hope that you find a blessing in today's service. Well, let's pray. God above, we give thanks for this day of life. And, and Lord, we do pray for those who are traveling, for those who are on the road, for those who are planning to be on the road, for those who are recovering from the road. And Lord, we are also praying for those who are traveling uh, metaphorically in the heart. We read these pages, we read these words so that we might be changed, so that we might have a little bit more love, a little bit more grace, a little bit more forgiveness, a little bit more of you. So as we travel through this life, help our faith life grow, be nourished, be watered by those around us, so that we might produce a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, we are in John chapter 11, which is one big story. Uh, it is one of the stories that we catch in, in the Gospels that you only find in John. Uh, the synoptic Gospels don't pick this up, but this is the story of Lazarus. Uh, we're gonna. It's it's kind of a long chapter. It's two pages here. Uh, you know, it's long when Jacob has to put it in columns, like this. But there are there are four big sections, and we're just gonna tackle them section by section. Instead of short verses, we're gonna take a big bite uh, as we as we work through. So, do we have a volunteer to read uh, verses one through? 16 through that through that section now a man named Lazarus was sick he was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha this Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair so the sister sent word to Jesus Lord the one you love is sick when he heard this Jesus said this sickness will not end in death no, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews were tried to, to stone you, and yet you are going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. So this, this begins one of the uh, more remarkable miracles that Jesus performed. 
Um, one might say it's foolish to think one more miracle is difficult than another, but this is the seventh sign of John's gospel, and it's unique. Uh, there is no parallel whatsoever for the raising of a man who had been dead for a few days and whose body had already begun to, uh, to decompose. Uh, like I said, the other gospels don't have this. Um, you would think that a story like this would be found in, in all of them. Some people think that uh, Peter's not here. Uh, if you read the story, Peter is probably back home. Uh, you know, we always think the 12 disciples are just, the, the 12 are always together. Uh, chances are that the 12 are not always together, but, you know, one goes, one goes back to his house, take care of a couple details. Peter is probably uh, not there. He's probably back at, at his family's house doing a couple things. They're close by. Uh, but Peter's not in the story. All the synoptic gospels, uh, all those stories have Peter in them. Uh, Mark, when he wrote his gospel, uh, he wrote it off of, of the sermons and the stories that Peter told him later on in life. So all of Peter's stories you know, have Peter in them. Uh, Matthew, all, Peter's always, always somewhere in the story. In this story, Peter's not there, and so John has the unique story that, uh, that, that Peter does not have. Does that make sense, uh, how these were written? Okay. Uh, Lazarus. Uh, it's a Greek form of the name Eliezer. God is my help. Uh, Lazarus has two sisters, and the two sisters are Mary and Martha. We know them from another story, don't we? Uh, when the, Jesus came to teach Mary and Martha, and Martha was the one doing all the dishes, and Mary was just listening. And uh, that's, that's a different story for another time, but that's, that's this family here. Jesus had a close relationship with this family. So when Lazarus was sick, it was natural for them to bring their need to Jesus. Um, Lazarus is already dead when Jesus gets the news. But he knew that the end result would be for the glory of God, not death. Again, God did not call Lazarus, uh, cause Lazarus to die just for this story. But the story, the way it unfolded, uh, it's going to be used for uh, Lazarus's name will be uh, remembered forever because of, of, of the story. One thing that caught me in this was the mention of the three of the three persons. Um, it just did not say Jesus loved this family. Uh, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Again, novel at the time to call out the women in the family. Uh, God, in, in male and female, He created them. The society of the day did not think it that way. Uh, but Jesus is, is above all that, and he calls out uh, each, each person uh, in this. Jesus deliberately waited to bring Lazarus back from the dead until he had been in the tomb for four days. Um, old beliefs, and, and probably for good reason, uh, when someone died, they, they waited. Mourning took a while. Uh, it'll be one of my questions here later on, but uh, they, didn't, they, they didn't put the body in the ground right away. The person could come back. They didn't have the scientific technology, the medical technology to know when someone really actually is dead. So they waited. And the rule of thumb is you wait three days. After three days, if there's no, if there's no uh, movement, if there's no life, then chances are they're dead. Uh, 
old belief said that the spirit kind of hung around for three days before going off uh, into, in, into heaven or whatever it is that they believed. Because a lot of times spirits came back. People came back from, from head injuries. People came back from comas. People came back uh, from, uh, from what appeared to be death. So they waited. Edgar Allan Poe had a, had a deathly fear of being buried alive, which is probably why his stories are so macabre. <laughs> um, when, when he died, the, he, he had rules of... Uh, uh, rules. Uh, he asked, uh, and, and granted, he, he, he died in the Baltimore thing, but uh, in, a, in a ditch, but uh, uh, he, asked, he asked his relatives, if, if, if I die, I want you to do a couple things. I want you to wait many days. I want you to tie a string to my toe. So when you bury me... Uh, and have it go up there and to a bell. And so if I'm, if I'm alive, I will ring this bell like no other. So you'll know I'm alive. Uh, he was, uh, all right, this is totally off topic. Uh, so Poe so po served in South Carolina uh, before the Civil War. Um, he, had a, he had a poem, By the Sea, Eleanor by the Sea. Da, 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 da. Uh, that's where that came from. Um, but that Eleanor is buried in South Carolina, right next to a a, a a mausoleum sort of thing, that had a horrible story of a little girl who died, and they buried her in the mausoleum, and the family went about went on about their business, and about six months to a year later, someone else in the family died, and so they buried that person in the mausoleum, and when they opened up the mausoleum, they found the the the, the bones and the body of the girl by the door who had scratched trying to get her way out. Like, I know. So this is, this, this is right next to Eleanor, who, po, who was freaked out about, I do not want to be this kind of person to, to wake up. Well, hmm. So Jesus waited. We want to make sure Lazarus is dead. So let's go to Judea again. Jesus could have raised Lazarus from a distance. He's pulled that trick before. Uh, because of the opposition from the religious leaders, Judah, Judea was a dangerous place for Jesus. And yet he was willing to go again. Even Thomas says at the end, the twin, well, let us all go so we can die with him. Thomas, the guy we know as the doubter, is the one who says, we're walking into a death trap. But let's go because the master wants us to go. Thomas has some courage. Uh, they call him the twin. Uh, and, and John tells us in several different places, uh, also known as the twin, um, A, he could have a twin. Some people really believe, uh, some commentaries believe, that he looked a whole lot like Jesus. And so you just put them side by side. Uh, you know, Jesus, you have, you have a doppelganger. Does anybody have a doppelganger out there? Do you know what that is? Someone who looks exactly like you? You have a doppelganger? Do they live here in town or somewhere else? They live in Pennsylvania, but her mom and my dad used to get us confused. That's how similar we look. My brother and I, we have exactly the same voice, the same cadence, the same. We talk way too fast in our families. You probably noticed that in sermons. Like, slow down, Pastor Mike. Uh, but we had, a, we had a dorm in college together, and I had so many dates because girls would call, and he would say yes. He would pretend he was me, and he would say yes to everything, no matter what. Oh, by the way, you have a date on Friday. She called. She thinks I was her. Uh, congratulations. You have a date. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. 
Somewhere out there, someone looks exactly like you. God bless them, right? Yeah. Are there not 12 hours in a day? That's a phrase of the time. Uh, we all have time to do what we need to do. Uh, there's 12 hours in a day. We all have 12 hours. We all have the same amount of time. Get done what you need to get done. Uh, that's whatever God has given you to do, you have, you have the time to do it. Uh, the, the, the phrase asleep, Jesus said this of Jairus' daughter, that she was asleep. Um, at the end of Stephen's martyrdom, we are told that he fell asleep. Uh, just a nice little metaphor of they, they have passed on. They are, they are no more. They are uh, beyond the pale. Lazarus is dead. Why did Jesus wait? Why do you wait? Trying to prove... Oh. You take dead. the microphone for the home audience here. He's trying to prove that uh, Lazarus is truly dead. So he would wait the, the given time. How would, how, would, how would Mary and Martha think of this? Jesus, you have this healing power. Come save my brother. I'll get there in a week. Ooh. They would not be too happy. Uh, and you kind of hear that in the next, in the next section. Verse 5, um, Jesus loves Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Do you know what Greek love that is? Is it philia, agape, storge, I don't know which, arrows? I don't know which Greek word they used. Okay. But all right, keep the microphone because you can help me. All right. So, in, in the Bible, love, we get love, one word, right? Or like, you know, you used to write notes, do you like me, like me? Mm -hmm. Like, because you don't want to use the word love, right? But you wanted more than like. Uh, we have love. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my parents. I love baseball. And I love them all differently, which is good, because it would be weird. If they were the same. The Greeks, God bless them, they give us different words. So one of those words is philia. P-H-I-L-I-A. Philia. Kind of a brotherly sort of love. We get the word Philadelphia out of that. Delphi, brother, philio. Kind of a brotherly, sisterly kind of thing. Uh, city of brotherly love. Uh, eros. Another kind of love. Think uh, lovey-dovey, erotic. Um, I, I tell my kids, when they, were, when they were young, I used to say kissy-kissy. Uh, I didn't know a, a better way to say it. Like, oh, they kissy-kissy. Uh -huh. uh, they're teenagers now, and I still use that. And they want it. Dad, just say the word. Like, nope. Kissy-kissy. Uh, erotic kind of love. Uh, agape. Another kind of love. Uh, love of a, they use agape in this one? Oh, awesome. They use agape in this one. Uh, an all-consuming kind of love that goes beyond, uh, that you could ever imagine, like a godly kind of love. There's a story at the end, I think we'll get to this in uh, oh, six, seven weeks. Uh, there's a story of Jesus after the resurrection talking to Peter. Peter, do you love me? 
And Peter says, yes, I love you. And he says it again, Jesus, or Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, you know I love you. And Jesus asked a third time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. Lord, you know I love you. If you, if you read in, in the Greek, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I phylos you. It's different. And for us, it comes out the same as the word love. But uh, it'd be like if I uh, told my wife, I really love you. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I like you too. Like, oh, I love you. Yeah, you're fun to hang around. Like, oh, okay. Mm. You're kind of looking for that, the, the yellow word back. All right, let's get to, let's see what happens with Lazarus here. 17, and then we'll flip the page to 37. It's 20 verses here. Jesus comforts the sisters of Lazarus. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whosoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. When the Jews said, see how we loved him, see how he loved him, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus waited four days because he knew of the Jewish superstition of the, uh, the, the soul stayed around the grave for three days, hoping to return to the body. Therefore, it was here accepted that after four days, there was absolutely no hope of resuscitation. Uh, this is a large crowd, still present four days after Lazarus was buried. It was an important obligation to join with those who mourned the death of a near relative. Weddings took days. Funerals took days. For us, it's an afternoon or an evening. But in other cultures still today, uh, it's a long, uh, much more long, drawn-out affair. 
Lord, if you would have been there, my brother would not have died. Martha honestly stated her disappointment in Jesus' late arrival. Where were you? The one time I needed you and you were not there. That is a prayer that I have said to Jesus before myself. Where were you? God always answers, but not in the time frame that I sometimes would like. Your brother will rise again. Martha understood that her brother Lazarus would rise again with all the righteous on the last day. She did not consider that this might be as in uh, 20 minutes from now. Uh, we can comfort a grieving person by saying you will see them again, and we sincerely mean it, and we mean the comfort, but we really don't mean you will see him again in 20 minutes. Uh, Jesus meant that Lazarus would rise again right now. I am the resurrection and the life. Does anyone know a children's song with that? Anyone go to camp and like, uh, that, right. it was a song that we used to sing. I am the resurrection and the life. All right, we'll take that off YouTube. But it's out there. It's a, there's a children's song out there called, uh, it, was, it was one that I liked at church camp many years ago. He who believes in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. These are words that I share at most of my funerals. And we believe it to be true. Do you believe this? Jesus challenged Martha not to debate, not to uh, have an intellectual discussion about this, but just believe. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection. Not I know about the resurrection, not I can teach you about the resurrection. I am the resurrection. She called Jesus the teacher. Uh, Mary did. Uh, no, Martha did. Uh, the teacher is, is here. Um, capital T. Capital T. It's important to notice this use of the term by a woman. Again, the rabbis of the day refused to interact or instruct women. Jesus took a different view, and he teaches us. We are equal. <laughs> Male and female, he created them. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lazarus, two sisters, Mar Mary and Martha. Martha had already spoken to Jesus regarding the death of Lazarus. Then Mary spoke, and her words are remarkably similar to what Martha told Jesus. Where were you? And Jesus saw her weeping, and the tears of Mary and Martha moved Jesus. God sees the tears of the grief-stricken and is also moved with compassion. Because I believe that God also sees our tears, and he is touched by our tears, and he remembers our tears, and he acts to dry our tears. Uh, when, when Mary and Martha and company are crying, this is not just a uh, kind of a weeping, like a soft weeping. This is, this is, this is wailing. Uh, the times of the day you, when someone, someone passed away, you, you showed how much they meant to you by the loudness of your cries. And, and off they went. And here we get 
the shortest verse in the entire Bible. Two words. Jesus wept. If you if you if you came from a church that that gave you prizes for Bible memorization, you knew this verse. You had it down, right? But the word that is used for Jesus here is not the wailing uh, or the loudness. Um, it's a it's it's a it's a quietness, and the tears came. Uh, he groaned in spirit. Um, and was troubled. Coming to the scene of Lazarus' tomb, Jesus just Jesus groaned. It, it, I, I, the Greek doesn't, the English doesn't do it very well. Uh, he groaned in spirit. They, they use the same noise as like a snorting of a horse. If you know what, how, how a horse snorts, I'm not even going to try to do it here. <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't so much sad at the scene of the tomb but it, 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 Jesus has a little bit more, there, there, there's a touch of disappointment in it. And it's not in the disappointment that Lazarus has died. Jesus wept. He was truly a man. There is no sin or shame in tears. He was acquainted with grief. He's not ashamed of, the, of his humanity. He identified people in their sorrow. He loves people. I, I grew up in maybe in a, in, a, in a time, and maybe some of you did too, where boys don't cry. Abraham wept when he buried Sarah. Jacob wept when he wrestled the angel. David and Jonathan wept together. Prophet Hezekiah wept over his sickness. Josiah wept over the sin of his nation. Jeremiah was a prophet that was, they called him the weeping prophet. Um, ancient Greek mythology, God has no emotion whatsoever. An isolated, passionless, and com compassionless God. That's, that's not the God that we have in the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus said, take away the stone. Is that where we are at? Take away the stone. I don't know if I'm skipping ahead. Not there yet. All right. Why? Why did Jesus weep? I like to sometimes, a lot of times, try to take these, uh, you know, how it deals with me personally, you know, how does it deal with me? And I like the way that Jesus dealt differently with Martha than Mary. You know, with Martha... He, she wanted to talk. And so he listened and he answered questions and he helped her that way through this grieving process. With Mary, there wasn't a whole lot of talk. She wanted to just cry. And Jesus cried with her. It's a lesson to me in relationships. Are we truly listening to those who... Uh, come talk, come to us. Sometimes we just need to shut up and listen, right? Yeah. Sometimes we just have to talk. Uh, sometimes we we cry, but and there's many, many more. Sometimes we just want to fix it. Uh, they want it to be fixed. The point is, is this uh, in this master. 
teacher, Jesus, he teaches this as an ancillary, I think it's an ancillary lesson to me that uh, we need to learn how to do the, have relationships like Jesus showed in this example. No, I really like that. Um, too often times my wife is having a bad day and I come, I, and I come in, I'm trying to think of the right words to say. She doesn't want me to talk. <laughs> she wants a hug. Um, or there's times when I, uh, I say something to my mom and she wants to hug, and I just, I just, I just, I just need to talk for a bit. So Jesus meets us where we are. I think He wanted to show His love. He loved Lazarus, and I think He wanted to show the sisters that He truly loved him, and then He was glad that He could bring him back alive. I remember I was like 11, 12 years old, and we found, we found a dog on the side of the road, and we took care of this dog for four days before the dog died of kidney problems. That's why probably someone didn't dump the dog on the side of the road. And we didn't know the name of the dog, but we called it Troubles because it, 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 had, it had some uh, potty issues throughout the house, and so that we called him Troubles. Uh, dog passed away, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. The very next day, my great-grandmother passed away. My great-grandmother, who lived in the nursing home that, as an 11-year-old, I didn't like to visit because it smelled to me. And it was a generation difference that I, I didn't know what to say to great-grandma. She didn't know what to say to me because we lived different lives, and we saw her once a month. And, uh, and she and my mom would talk forever while we had to sit in the corner and be quiet. <laughs> But when she passed away, I was sad, but I never, I didn't cry. And I remember being, feeling so guilty. Later on, like, why did I cry for a dog that I knew for four days? And I didn't, didn't cry for someone in my, in my life. And I never, and I never, like, resolved that in my family, in, in, my, in my head, except, you know, I, I didn't have a, I spent more time with that dog in four days than I did with my grandma for a couple of years. Jesus wept, but he also waited, and he also knew what the end of the story was going to be. If you know what the end of the story is going to be, you're, hmm. so I can't wait for football season, right? I can't wait for football season in the fall. Love football. Uh, and there are times that we tape games. God bless the times that we can, now we could tape games and skip through commercials. Have you ever watched a game that you knew the ending already? Have you ever done that where you, you knew the ending, but you had the thing taped and you're like, well, I'll watch it anyway? It's not as exciting, is it? You don't get too excited at the big plays and the bad plays if you already know the ending. If you know the ending, it takes away the emotions. Jesus knew what was going to happen. So a part of me, just a part of me, wonders if why he wept is is a he was you know he was helping helping those next to him in the ways that they wanted. Lazarus was a dear friend. Anytime someone has an issue, you go through you know you you feel through that. But I also wonder if Jesus looked at Mary and Martha and said, "I have what can fix this," and you still don't believe. You still doubt. 
Do you ever have kids that are going through a, a hard time and you have the answer, you know how to fix it, but they won't listen to you? And you, and you weep. And you weep. I have what can help you if your stubbornness didn't get in the way. I do wonder if Jesus was weeping because he had, I am the resurrection and the life, and you still don't see it. Pastor Mike, I, th I think, too, that it was um, empathy, empathy um, for them um, and perhaps for Lazarus because coming back, he had to die again. But also maybe anticipatory because Jesus would have had to have known what was coming for him. He's going to get real familiar with tombs here pretty soon in the story. Yeah, and poor Lazarus, when he comes back, you know how it ends, he comes back. Uh, I already died once. <laughs> now I have to do it again. Let's do verses, that, that next section, 38 uh, to 44. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. By this time, there is a stench. <laughs> uh, in any case, the confirmation of the body was a confirmation that Lazarus is dead. They took the stone away. This is a definitive and remarkable step of faith. Uh, they, they, did, they did so, this unusual request. Jesus is, is building up their faith. Jesus gave, for a pro gave them a promise. He drew attention to himself. He called upon them to confess their faith. He called on them to act on their faith. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, uh, probably in the traditional posture of prayer, hands raised, eyes open, upward, uh, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know you always hear me, but I'm doing this uh, for their benefit. And he cried with a loud voice. What did, how, did, how did Jesus call him out? By his name, Lazarus, come out. Loud voice. Everyone could hear. With a de uh, de uh, decisive tone of, of, of authority. I saw. I heard one commentary say that if he did not say the name Lazarus, then everybody, then everyone who's ever been dead, would have been raised at that time. So, so I'm going to be very specific here. This one dead person, Lazarus, come out. 
yeah, that would have uh, that have been a, a big surprise to uh, people buried in their thing. Here I am. I am the resurrection and the life, and we believe that all people will be raised. Okay, uh, all people of faith. Um, Lazarus came out, uh, and and what what uh, what I circled was. Um, he came out with the strips of linen, cloth around his face. When Jesus was raised, that was all he that was all left in the tomb. Jesus would not need that again. So uh, he can, he comes out with this as if, yeah, I might need these again in the future. Uh, I, I get to keep them. Jesus said, "Take off the grave clothes. Let him go." Je- the, the the miracle was what God could do. And then Jesus left it to us uh, to finish the job. Lazarus could have come out without the grave clothes and, and zippity-doo-dah and happy-go-lucky and, and, and away he goes. Uh, God did the miracle up to the point until human being, until our activity could take place where we could help him along the way. A lot of times that's what miracles are, is God doing what God could do so that we can do what we can do. What were some of the old, old funeral traditions that we don't do anymore? That maybe you you remember as a kid, or I remember as growing up, or in different parts of the country. I believe they hired mourners to make a lot of noise, and um, I don't know why, as a celebration or not a celebration, but a. where they're just recognizing the death of this person. and Still in some parts of the country today, they hire mourners out there uh, to wail, to bemoan. I once, I once met someone down south. Who was, that was their number one job. They just went from funeral to funeral to funeral, and they, they were the chief mourner. I think that was the phrase, chief mourner. Some of the first funerals I did, uh, they would lower the casket into the hole and they don't do that no more. No, nope. uh, it was it was just recently where I saw the casket go part way down. Yep. Every funeral that I see on TV is never a funeral I've never ever seen. <laughs> um everyone outside with the chairs and the and the big old thing of dirt beside and always standing in the rain doing the Psalm 23 every single funeral on TV. And they threw dirt on the top, too. And it was customary for the family or those closest to throw the dirt in on the casket first. Um, They also did wakes that they don't do so much anymore. They call them wakes, but it's not the same as a wake. Did y'all... Do they do visitations here? Like the day before, day two... Very rarely do I see them out here, though. Um, in the Midwest and the Northeast, I have that was the that was the thing, where you almost had more people at the visitation than the funeral. When I was in mortuary college, it was in the late seventies, and um, when I first entered funeral service, um, then um, earth burial was the common practice, especially because Idaho was agricultural, and as a rule, it's like what you're saying: farm people generally 
bury their dead, and they have um, customs all around that with meals and um, people in town bring food and, you know, and all that sort of thing, where when I was in mortuary college, cremation was just starting over on the West Coast, and it started there and came inward. So there's a lot less um, customs that go along with cremation and um, a lot less support for the family, a lot less... um, Along with that comes some of our society today where they wish no service, where they wish nothing, and it allows no support for the family, no sharing, no honoring, really, of the life that has been lived. Yeah. Hold on to the phone. Uh, the, yeah, hold the phone for a second. Um, help me out, because I should know this. What's the definition of a eulogy? Because I've heard it many different ways. A eulogy is a personal tribute. As a rule, it's a a very personal story um, from generally it's someone that knew them best or they write it out and give it to the pastor or that, you know. But um, I would say that's the closest to a definition of eulogy. Sometimes I get asked, could you do the eulogy? And I'm like, I, I don't know this person. Like a lot of times the funeral home will just call and say we need someone to do a service. But I'm happy to tell their life story. I'm right. happy to share that. Well, that's the eulogy. I'm like, oh, okay. I always think eulogy is something more personal like, like what you're saying. Yes. Okay. When I was a kid, you didn't have to have the person embalmed if they, you could bury them in a pine box within 24 hours. And so we could go back, like down a fence row, and they would have their own family plots way back behind their farmhouses instead of burying them in a cemetery. And that was common then, especially in the Midwest. I know this is a dark, depressing, but I'm just curious because uh, it, it's changed over the years. The uh, clothing, the wrapping, uh, I don't believe they do that today anymore. If you're going to be buried, they don't bother to wrap the body. And what's going on in my mind is I'm picturing Lazarus here. It says that his hands and feet were still tied or still wrapped. And so how could he possibly walk out? He must have floated out. Some commentaries do say that's how he came out. I'm sorry, I just thought of something else when Ron said about the wrapping. I've only done the wrapping once, and that was for a Jewish fellow. So that's the only time. I have wrapped Native Americans in blankets. That's part of their culture thing. And um, the LDS Church, um, ladies from the Relief Society or their family come to dress them at the mortuary. That's part of their custom as well. All right. Let's get to, uh, to the end of the story here. 45 to the end. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. The chief priests and Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. 
What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is a man performing many signs. If we let him go like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than the, that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the, religion, the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but for also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and to make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They both looked for Jesus, and they stood in the temple courts. They asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. They gathered a council, though unofficial. It was a meeting of the Sanhedrin. John's authority for the account of what passed here would be... Um, would be this, this, we know what Caiaphas wanted to do. It is better for us to kill an innocent person than the Romans to come and take away our, is that how they said it? Yeah, our temple and our nation. It did not belong to Caiaphas, but uh, that's, that's, how they, that's how they looked at it. Being high priest that year, he was he was high priest for about eleven years. But uh, in here, just he was high priest this year. Um, that's, it, it's, it's not a one year thing, but he was he was there for about a little over a decade. Uh, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and uh, that that came to be true—an unconscious and involuntary prophecy. At first, they denied him because they didn't believe he was the Messiah. Now they're scared of him because they think he is the Messiah and what that means. If everyone starts to believe in him, then the Romans are going to come and, and, and take, away, take away the nation. There can only be one king, and it's going to be Caesar. Uh, so that's, that's their fear. All right, we will meet next week, next Tuesday. Uh, next week is annual conference. We'll have about uh, 160 to 200 Methodist pastors and their representatives here in the building. They don't get here till Thursday. There's a lot of setup on Wednesday, but we are fine here on on Tuesday. So we will we will meet in here like we always do. And believe it or not, next week uh, we get to Jerusalem. <coughs> Excuse me. How did how did Jesus enter Jerusalem uh, that last Passover? Yeah, Palm Sunday. So next next Tuesday we'll celebrate Palm Sunday. <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.